EFTM Tech Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast with Trevor Long EFTM G'day, g'day. Great to have your company. Thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening. Uh, the EFTM Podcast is all about uh, information gathering and informing you of the wonderful world of technology. Trying to help you as well. If you've got a tech question, just go to the website EFTM.com. Click on Ask Trev. Your email will go into the list of people I will attempt to contact for next show. Uh, that's how I do it every Tuesday, recording and um, taking your calls. A um, little bit to get through today. Um, we've got a few calls on the line. Um, everything from um, broken laptops to networks for mobile operators and printers. Plus, we're going to talk uh, to Les Wigan from uh, Foxtel about the 4K setup, the future of all those wonderful things and such. So, you know, there's a bit going on there. Um, there's a lot coming up. We've got a bit on the show and I just want to get straight into it um, because, you know, it's a new week. New government, new week. Let's just be new. Uh, I've taken the channel, put new furniture in the office. It's just fresh, a fresh start, no matter what you think <laughs> on the EFDM podcast. Now, before we get into calls, the other thing we're going to do on this week's show is we're going to talk to Peter Adderton. I actually spoke to him last week. Um, he was in the US heading home when uh, Boost announced they'd hit 700,000 subscribers with a target of 5 million. But, you know, Peter Adderton is a very uh, a loose loose unit. He's a loose cannon. He could, he could say anything when I ask him questions. So I want to ask him about his, his projects in the US. He's doing some weird thing called Mobile X. I don't understand it. And we're also going to talk about 5G because I think you'll find... Uh, as you'll have heard on EFTM, there's someone, they're testing 5G. So there's some 5G stuff going on um, with Boost Mobile. So we'll ask Peter Adderton about that as well. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Thank you for listening and uh, being involved in the EFTM podcast. Great to have your company and uh, it's always good to hear from you. If you've got a question, go to the website EFTM.com. I'll get you on the show. Tony's on the line. G'day, Tony. Go, yeah, real good, mate. What can I do for you? Question with iPhones. Every time we get a new iPhone, two years down the track, it tends to break down. So I don't get notifications. I don't... Uh, it doesn't ring. It, it, it lights up on the phone that there's a caller there, but it doesn't ring. And then if I, if I turn the phone off and reboot it, everything's fine again for another couple of weeks and then it tends to break down again. Well, it's the old is conspiracy theory, right, that they uh, they built in that that's redundancy and they want you to upgrade. That's the, that's that's the conspiracy that's theory, yeah? Yeah, that's what I thought. No, mate, the <laughs> thing is, the thing is, all technology ages, right? Every bit of component of that phone is getting on in life. But two years is a great, is it very early in life. What I would do, what I always recommend is make sure you've done an iCloud backup of your phone yep. so that everything's yep. safe and so- sorted and then do yep. a full factory reset so what you do is you you go into settings you go to general you go to reset and then you reset all data and settings yeah it'll wipe the phone out it'll be and when you turn it back on it'll be like you've just got it from the shop right Uh, and and then when you set it up you choose one of your backups and you'll find that will actually most of the time solve pretty much all your problems 
Especially when you're talking about if 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 a problem can be solved by a reboot, then yeah. the first thing to do is a reinstallation, like I've just described. Because the if you take it to an Apple store, yeah. essentially that's all they're going to do is wipe it and check it. So you may yeah. as well do that yourself now. Wipe it and back it up, and then yeah. restore your backup. The thing is, though, if after that it's still doing something like what you're describing, yeah. absolutely, and, yeah. and it's um, repeatable. So as long as you can demonstrate it to someone, that's the biggest challenge. You've got a problem, you take it to the Apple Store, and, the, and you can't actually show them. Um, if you yeah, can yeah, repeat yeah. it and show them, then take it to the Apple Store after you've done what I've suggested and yeah. tell them that it shouldn't happen. And if they try and tell you it's going to cost you money, you say, no, this thing should work absolutely well for at least the next yeah. few years. I want it fixed under Australian consumer law. Yeah, okay. All right, so you've got yeah, the backing exactly. of Australian consumer law to make sure you don't need to pay for a repair, unless you've damaged it or dropped it or um, put yeah, it in yeah. water or no. something. But yeah. broadly speaking, um, you know, something like, a, you know, a, a faulty, uh, you know, it might be a circuit board that's got a little little buzz on it because it's uh, resetting that speaker. Who knows? Um, yeah, okay. But, mate, do a full factory reset first and, then, that, and yeah. then see what happens, okay? Fantastic. All right, buddy, where are we off to? You, you drive trucks for a living? Uh, down to Sydney. Right, yeah. What, what's in the back? It's not, it's not exactly a truck. Oh, okay. It's a ute, but it's a noisy ute. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as long as it keeps uh, you keeps you calm, mate. Keeps you calm. Yeah. All right, mate, stay Thank safe you. on the roads, mate. Thank Let you. me know how you Thank go. You. Thank you. Bye-bye. Good on you, mate. There you go. Um, you know, it's a, it's... It's one of those great things. People love the idea of built-in redundancy. Uh, it doesn't exist. Um, technology gets old, and we need to look after our technology. We used to have to defrag computers and do all these things just to keep them running well. You, your phone needs that now and then. So it also helps to turn your phone off now and then. That's obviously not Tony's problem, but absolutely, I would um, I, I would get involved in that. Anyway, good luck, Tony. And uh, if you've got a question, go to the website, EFTM.com. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Trevor Long, take any calls. If you've got a tech question, just go to the website, EFTM.com. Click on Ask Trev. Rick did that. G'day, Rick. G'day, Trev. How are you? Yeah, really good. What can I do for you? Mate, we're looking at buying a Sonos uh, Move, I think it was. Um, Haven't seen any reviews that I can count on. I think I'm just wondering if you've had any... Uh, exposure to them. And just to be clear, the Move is the largish one. It's not the little tiny bl- portable Bluetooth speaker. Yeah, I think that's about, called the Rome. Yeah, about three kilos, I think, this thing yeah, is. Yeah, it's, it's a beast. Uh, so basically, the Move is Sonos. I can't remember how they name their speakers anymore. They used to be um, 1, 2, 5 and all this kind of thing. I've, I think I use Sonos 1s as my rear speakers on my soundbar. So it feel, this, to me, is, a, is one of their standalone rear speakers or standalone Sonos speakers, but they make it battery-powered. So the bulk of the weight is the battery, um, yes. and that makes it completely portable. I mean, it's an amazing speaker. It sounds amazing. The quality's great. Um, it has Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant if you want those um, features as well. Um, the big question is, why Sonos? Do you have a Sonos system already? We've got a Sonos sound beam hooked up to our TV. Um, my understanding is that we can't actually connect this to the beam. No, um, because that's a gen- no, like- I think that I think you'll find the beam, depending on the generation of it. Do you know how old it is? Uh, 12, 18 months. Oh, really? You only bought it that, lo- that long ago? Yes. Um, let me just have a look here. So basically, in the Sonos world, 
there's two, let's just call it two apps, S1 and S2. Okay. S1 was the original Sonos. It was great, and it still works if you've got those old products. Um, but the S2 is only compatible with um, their latest products. But the Generation 1 Beam is listed on the Sonos 2 S2 app. So, mate, you will be able to link them together. Absolutely. Okay. It becomes great. an ecosystem for you. The only real benefit of that in, in reality is if you've got a, you know, people around or something and you want the music playing in the lounge room and somewhere else, then they'll essentially work together and they'll play the same thing in sync. Um, okay. It's not like you can use one as a left and a right or anything like that because no. the move is really for, for on the go. But, yeah, the, the Beam Generation 1 um, is uh, just like the move, compatible with the, the Sonos S2. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too worried about that. I'm just looking now, though, works with – it's a bit more complex. These products work with either the S2 or the S1. Uh, and then it says these products only work with the S2 and the Generation 2 Beam is listed there. And you're right, the move is not listed. That's okay. quite that's And quite, that's the reviews I was finding yesterday where it said great sound quality, good product. Uh, the cons were it wouldn't hook up to existing, you know, you can't use it as a surround sound no. or, or hook it up to the beam. We're primarily you, looking for outdoors. I was going to say, you want it outdoors. How much sound do you need outdoors? Like, what so, like do you need it to be that big? Are you having big parties, if you like? No. <laughs> we just looked at that one and thought, okay, is that um, is that what we're after? Um, well, I, sitting I, outside in the pool or gardening or whatever the case may be? I would tell you to go and have a look at the Sonos Roam. Okay. So the Sonos Roam is $300. Yes. The Move is 700 Yes. Now, bigger battery life, much bigger sound, but I would say to you that if I took the Sonos Roam, which I think I've still got somewhere, if I took the Sonos Roam and sat it by the poolside, and I mean, you know, you know, over where the, the towels and everything go, so not, not, not quite next to the pool, although I think it is splash resistant, um, and turned it up, it would be absolutely great for outdoors, you know. When and you're it's battery gardening. powered as well? Yes, yes. So it's okay. more like your traditional little Bluetooth speakers you might have seen, right? Yes. Look, it's tiny. It's it's when I say tiny, it's uh, I'm going to say 15, 18 centimeters wide and you know three or four centimeters tall. It's like a little try. It's like a big Toblerone. It's a triangly size shape. Okay, yeah. Um, but mate, it's it's a great product. Um, okay. So I would want you to, I don't know, try and listen to that or maybe. Uh, I just feel like if you ever look up comparing the Rome and the Move, you're always going to be be sent towards the Move because of it's a much bigger sound, right? Yes. But is it that much bigger that you wouldn't you know, have the Rome? Absolutely not. I think the Rome is a cracking good speaker, as long as you're not using it as a party speaker. That would be my biggest caveat. If you're having 20 people around and you think the Rome is going to entertain everyone, probably not. That's where you need Which to Which we're move. not going to. That's no. not our plan. Yeah. No, mate, get the Rome. 300 bucks. Hooks up to your existing. Uh, if you've got S2, so the latest Beam Generation 2, it hooks up to that. Hooks up to the Rome, um, you get that benefit of, of that ecosystem, that, which I think is critical. Yes. All right. So, Fantastic. mate, I, I, go, and, go and seek out the Sonos Rome, my friend. We've got a few JB Hi Fi cards. So, we ah, it, um, very good. Even better. <laughs> we'll, we'll go and have a look. Yeah. So, no, I appreciate that. That's excellent. Uh, 
I had said to you before, we listened to a review that you gave on the Bourne 4K TV from Aldi oh, 12, 18 months ago. Picked one up, and it's been a great unit. Serving um, you well? It is, yes. Perfect. So we thought with your knowledge, we'd come back and ask the question. Well, I'm always here for you, Rick, any time, mate. Appreciate the call. Thanks, good, Trevor. Good on you. No problems at all. And uh, if you've got a question like Rick, you can go to the website, eftm.com. Nice and easy. Get in touch, and uh, we'll try and help you out. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. Well, a little while ago, uh, Boost, I think it was last year, Boost uh, announced not only they've been around for more than 20 years, but they signed a 10-year deal with Telstra. And that's a big deal for any telco to have that kind of longevity. But with big plans to move into the Membian space and, and expand their, their base. But last week, they also announced a milestone. And I don't think I've ever seen Boost talk numbers. And Boost founder Peter Adderton joins me on the line. Peter, you're not renowned for holding back on things, so it's quite strange that we hadn't heard before your customer numbers, but 700,000 is a huge milestone. And it was, and I wanted to make sure when we came out, Trevor, that we came out with a big number. Yeah. And uh, you know, we were on track to do that number. We were growing very, very quickly when the rest of the market was contracting. We were growing, so uh, we wanted to make sure that we got that number, and, and then the next milestone you hear from me will be the million number. Well, which is really where we were put that in context for us, though. 20 years, I mean, it, it really doesn't mean much if you've spent 20 years consistently getting to 700,000. But has the last few years been kind of a hockey stick style growth? Absolutely. Absolutely. We're kind of static there for a while. Um, you know, we've been around for 20 years. We started out on Optus, then we moved across to Telstra, and we had a, a management in, management team in there that had kind of gone a little bit stale, to be honest with you. And I always, you know, I'm very critical on myself and, and a company. So we dropped the ball. Um, we re-energized again. We brought J Jason in and we brought Warren in and we re-energized the brand again about probably three or four years ago. And that's when we saw a hockey stick. And I mean, a, you know, three times hockey stick. It wasn't just something that happened uh, overnight. Those guys have done a great job. We re-energized the brand and took it back to where it was uh, when we first started it and, and brought real energy in. So we've seen a, a tremendous um, uh, uptake. In, and we've also got an incredibly great relationship with Telstra as well, which really has helped us. Um, over the last three or four years. I assume also that Tel that 10-year that deal with Telstra came about not just because of the brand and what you've built, but because you had that growth. You know, they know that you've got the power of the brand. They can't really let you go, can they? No, they can't. I think also when you look at it, we don't actually cannibalise Telstra, right? So we're not taking Telstra's customers away. We're actually taking them away from the other two. And, and that's where Telstra sees us as a real fighting tactical brand. Um, we offer great value on a great network and, uh, and we don't go after their customers. So we really are targeted and focused on, obviously, Vodafone and Optus. Um, you know, you see me constantly beating up Optus in the supercars. Um, and obviously, uh, we, we go after Vodafone as well. But that's where the lion's share of our customers are coming from. And um, that's why I think Telstra likes us, because we basically do target them, we focus on them, and we go after them. Yeah, you can, you can bring customers to the network, um, get them off other networks, um, and they get a, a benefit in every sense. So... The, the battles that you have online and off um, over brands is probably unlike any other founder slash businessman that could be named in Australia, to be honest, because the the rivalry that you have with Ryan Walkshaw, for example, but Optus generally, you know, it's funny to watch, but can it buy you on the bum at some point if, you know, the Optus car, you know, does really, really well this year and uh, outperforms in every way? Yeah, well, I mean, if they keep up the performance they had in Perth, I'll be happy with that. I think uh, Jack Smith beat them. Um, look, from from our perspective, 
I, I, I love the rivalry, yeah. you know, and it's always tongue in cheek. I, I love it. I love the concept of, you know, getting our customers behind our brand and behind what we're doing. You can't win everything, but as long as we're winning on the, uh, in the market, and as long as we're winning on network coverage and we're winning on brand, as you saw with the, uh, the awards we've won today, then we are, we are winning. No, I, I feel sorry for Ryan. Um, I know he's trying and he's trying really hard to, to, to attack us, but he really has nothing. Man. He's got one hand tied behind his back. So, but I, I do love the rivalry. It, it's probably more American. I mean, American CEOs go after each other right. pretty aggressively. Yeah. Uh, Australians don't do it, but I always say this, it never bites you on your bum if you're ever honest and original and real. Yeah. The only time it bites you on the bum is when you basically become fake and you try to be something you're not. And I never try to do that. And sometimes it offends people, sometimes it doesn't, but it's real and it's honest. And I guess it can only be funny to see someone take it out of context because if they don't know you and follow you, then they could take a single comment way out of context, but you'd just laugh at that, wouldn't you? I actually repost them. I don't know whether you've noticed. <laughs> I actually take the ones where people literally slam me and repost them and often I think one guy said uh, you know I was full of shit and I wrote back going and it really hurts when he you know he pointed out the truth so <laughs> I, I'm okay with it I make fun of myself I, yeah. I'm not, not, not I'm not precious so what next how do you obtain that next 300,000 customers because that can't surely just be a price game and a branding game you're not going to get that by even winning the supercars championship how do you how do you take the next step you know, I think we're on, we've got a trajectory, which is very, very strong. So, you know, when you're growing as fast as we are, um, that momentum can continue to keep going. You know, in the telco space, a lot of the telcos won't tell you this, but it's a momentum game, right? And, and as long as you're growing subscribers and people like you, you get one subscriber, you know, one customer in the net and they tell three other customers about us. And so that's truly the, the, the driver that we have. I will also say that Optus and Vodafone have lost their way. Um, they really are poorly marketing themselves. If you look at Optus, they basically are following us. You think about it, you know, they follow us into supercars. They actually took the old team that we had uh, into, into supercars. You look at Vodafone exited supercars and we came in and we got the naming rights sponsorship for the Gold Coast, which is basically a Vodafone event two yep. years ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they're all lost. And, and so we've not lost. Like we are so laser focused on what we're doing. And, you know, we do market better than them because it's authentic and it's real and it's passionate. And they're not. They're basically, as I said, they're, they're just fake brands just trying to get your business. And we're real and authentic. And that's why if you look at our Instagram, our, our socials have three times most of those guys. Like we're mm. the largest when it comes to social media following because people get what we're doing when we're not fake. And I would love nothing more than to have a, a debate with the CEOs of Optus and, uh, and Vodafone, but they won't turn up. Right, they would never turn up. Yeah. They, they just hide in their little towers and hope that their PR people tell them what to say. You know, with a teleprompter. We're not. We're we're raw and real. Well, there's a couple of clear areas where there are still innovations to come. Uh, I had a comment from a reader of mine, Ryan, when we posted the story about the the target to a million, and this is exactly what he said: release eSIM support, and they'll get their one million in no time. Surely it's soon. Now Woolworths is on the Telstra network, and they've got eSIM support. Where's Boost? We're very very close to eSIM support. Um, we're extremely close to eSIM support. Um, I won't give you the exact day, but it's not months, it's weeks. Um, we, we really want to make sure that we get the uh, the eSIM out there and into the marketplace. I agree with him, by the way. I, I've been a big supporter of, uh, of eSIM. Mm. I, We've spoken about it before. You, you see it as not just a, uh, a churn growth area, but as, you know, people coming in, people with their first phone, you know, the QR code concept of just handing them out at the beach. You could hand them out at the surf event or at the Bathurst, just be handing out a month of boost on an, on a, on a QR code 
and people can literally join the network in an instant. That's the benefit, isn't yeah, it? I mean, exactly. And, and in fact, what we're doing in the US is we actually do it without a, a QR code. We're doing it inside the app, so you don't even need to get a QR code. Um, so there's yeah, new technologies are coming all the time. Look, I, I think, you know, in the next six to 12 months, you know, you're going to see us innovate in that area, but other areas as well. You know, I've been fairly critical on 5G, as you probably know. Yeah. In fact, I think I'm the only CEO in the world that's actually launching a product and actually told our customers not to buy it because I didn't think the value was there. If that yeah. doesn't show you how real I am, uh, nothing will. Well, so, then 5G's a, a, an important door to open. Another commenter said the exact same thing, but they said it appears the seventy gig $70.65 gig plan recharge includes 5G access. No matter, look, that is the case. Why is the most expensive boost plan more, uh, getting 5G, the others aren't, and if you go to Telstra, you can get 5G cheaper. That doesn't make sense in the boost world. It, it doesn't, which is why I told everybody not to buy it. Um, I actually tweeted it out uh, when we were, um, I think someone had put it out there because, you know, they had this concept at, uh, at Telstra, which I don't agree with, by the way. I don't agree with everything that Telstra does. But I have this concept that 5G demands a premium. I just totally disagree with that, right? And it goes against what they're trying to push out there. So I just said, I'm not even going to market that plan um, because it's not worth it. It's, the value's not there, right? And so you don't want to see us marketing and pushing it out there. Uh, do we mark the 5G card? Yes, but it's just not a value add for me. I don't think that 5G deserves a premium over 4G. Um, never have, never will. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very headstrong on that. And so we just don't even market it or push it. And I think the only time anybody knew that I actually even had it uh, was when I said for them not to buy it. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's pretty, that's, hopefully that's a strong signal to our customers that, that I shoot straight. Oh, you know, we've we've we'll always be... seen eye to eye on the 5G thing. I still don't see the benefit of it as an average consumer on your mobile phone. But there is a huge marketing benefit in it, the speed, the power, and, you know, in the spaces that you're in, that's great. So shouldn't – do you see it, though, as something you can use in marketing when it is available across all plans at the same price, assuming you don't need to charge a premium? Yeah. Again, the benefit is, as I told before, is it's an evolution, not a revolution. It's basically just taking you from 4G to 5G and giving you, a, you know, extra speeds. Extra speeds that really will make very little impact on your mobile phone. Now, it'll make a, ma a better impact in fixed wireless at home, which is yeah. where I think 5G should go. So replacement of NBN, and I said this, I think I was quoted about two years ago when I did a story, that's where 5G wins, right? It wins because you don't need to roll a truck out. You don't need to have a modem out there. They basically put it in, light it up, and off you go. And if you have a look at the fixed wireless market in America, the cable companies got beaten for the first time by the wireless companies in 5G. So the fixed wireless access replaced the broadband rollout for the first time. They had more subscribers than the cable guys did. And so to me, that's where 5G needs to play, right? It needs to play in a fixed wireless environment because the basic value for a smartphone is, is zero. I mean, it's just not, I mean, video loads a few milliseconds faster. Everyone's like, what's well, about the latency for gamers? Well, that's okay if you're a gamer, but the gamer's not on a smartphone. The gamer's in his basement with all of his screens up, right? Do, do you and have so, control over when you'll get it on the lower plans, though, or is it just up to Telstra? No, no, we, we push extremely hard. I mean, the reason why we got where we got to is, you know, we push Telstra, and as I said, to their credit, they see the value of what we're doing, and we're getting more and more respect and more and more um, you know, of a good reputation with Telstra to push them more, to say, listen, let's do more, let Boost do this, let Boost do that. And so, no, I push them every single day um, to uh, to give us better products um, for better prices. That's, that's what our customers demand from us. And if we get a product that we don't like, I'll let you know we don't like it and I'll tell you not to buy it. 
It's a very strange attitude, we've got to admit. But how you spent yeah. a lot of time in the US because you've still got a lot of business going on there, and I actually want to talk to you about that in a second. But how much of an indicator of the Australian market is the US in terms of plans, uh, approaches, or are we just a different world all over? No, I think it's very, very similar in some ways. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Americans got caught in this fake unlimited, you know, rot, which is basically offering unlimited and then capping you at 35 gigabytes or 20 gigabytes. Um, so it's basically fake unlimited. Mm. So they've got caught on this and the regulators are a lot looser than they are in Australia. You know, obviously if you make a claim in Australia, you better be fully unlimited or you're going to get the Optus or Telstra wrap, right? So um, I think it's, it's, it's similar in a sense that the consumers basically have the same ha- patterns. Um, of how they use their devices and what devices they actually like. Um, so I think that that's, that's similar. Um, I don't think the marketing's as aggressive. I don't think uh, the carriers are as proactive when it comes to fixed wireless at home, um, which I think they should be more aggressive on. And I think they should get a lot more aggressive in price. I mean, if you look at Vodafone, Vodafone's been in the country 20 years. It's never made money in 20 years, right? And so they're probably sitting there going, well, I just hope everybody just keeps their prices up because we don't want to be the, the bottom feeder that goes after them. But, you know, my attitude is they should be. Like, they should be like the T-Mobile going, you know what, we've got nothing to lose. <laughs> let's get out there and, and let's drive value. But they don't. So I think that that's the, the mentality of probably more the executives at the carriers in, in Australia of trying to maintain a higher price and a premium price for their product than Australia and in America where they basically just go hell for leather for a certain period of time. Which is essentially how you benefit, right? Because the big three telcos want a higher average revenue per user every month. Um, they're, yeah. not, they're not going after the 30 40 even $50 clients. That's where you boost your Coke and your Amazium come in. That's how you're going to get to a million, surely. Yeah, but that's how we do get to a million. And by the way, it's not just that. It's also offering you know better service. You know, one of the biggest frustrating things for me is customer service. We're constantly on our customer care team to provide a better experience, right? And, and continue to keep developing in that and driving that and, and trying to bring that, you know, as much as we can home so we can have real time uh, customer care. Because I think if you have a great customer care experience, you know, people are focused less on price if the overall experience is better. And I think that that's one of the things that carriers don't do a very good job of and it's something that we need to get better at. Now, I get the sense the time you spend in America right now is very um, top-end business style, you know, whether it's funding or network deals. I want you to put take that hat off and put your American consumer hat on. What the hell's MobileX? What's the pitch? Okay, I think it's the most disruptive technology that's ever been uh, created. Uh, and I say that with, you know, well, that's a big statement, Peter. Well, very I've been big. doing this for 20 years. But I've been doing this for 20 years, so I get to say it, right? Because I've been basically building this business. So what I wanted to do with MobileX is I wanted to set out about trying to right the wrong. And, and the biggest concern that I have, and by the way, it also works against me at Boost as well, just as, as an example. What we do in America is they basically sell you plans, right? Whether it's 20 gigabytes, 30 gigabytes, or 50 gigabytes. The problem is that the average customer is not using 20 to 30, 40 gigabytes. They know that. The carrier knows that. So they basically are selling you a product that you know, they know that you don't need, right? And so I sit there and go, how do we right size that, right? Well, the first thing people do is they say, well, I buy it because I want the, uh, in, you know, I want the comfort of knowing I'll never go over, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm going, all right, well, let me sell you your gasoline that way. Well, what yeah. do you mean? Well, give me 150 bucks, I'll fill your tank up. And if your car sits in the garage and goes out three days for the whole month, at the end of it, your 150 is gone, I'm gonna fill it up for you again. And you're like, no, I don't want to do it that way. Well, that's how it works today. So what I wanted to do was go out there and basically charge you for what you use. If you look at the Verizon Unlimited plan, so the Verizon Unlimited plan, which is their most expensive, 
about 80% of the traffic of that phone is done in a Wi-Fi area. For the cable guys, it's 98%, which means that you've got five to 10% of the traffic basically going over a, a mobile network. Now, mobile networks only use data when you're streaming video, right? The rest of it uses very little amount of data. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to go out and build an AI machine learning engine. So what you basically do, I've actually got the app here. It, it, it's, it's literally mind boggling. But what you actually do is you go out, you basically, for 10 days, you download our app. You basically just use your phone as you would use it. So you just go around yep. and at the end of the 10 day period or sooner, I come back using machine learning and AI and I say, Trevor, your usage was 2.2 gigabytes right down to the kilobytes. Yours was 2.2 gigabytes. Your bill is $3.30. You use 200 voice minutes. So I'm going to charge you for 200 voice minutes. You use the 100 text messages. That's it. Your bill is $6.50. It's, it's custom to you. Like It's only for you. No one else has it. It sounds and like so, you're going back to the days of you know the late 90s where you literally just paid for what you used and there was no cap plans. Correct. And if you think about the cap plans, that came with 3G. So what happened was everyone was paying for what they used. Then when 3G came a better network and faster, everyone kept going over, over on their voice minutes. So then the carrier said, oh, great, we'll get these guys. We'll bump it up, give them unlimited and let them feel good. So you basically got a generation who learned from the 3G world of basically overpaying, right? Because you were hitting up against those caps mm. to the capacity now where it's unlimited. And so they use that mentality of scaring us into it. So what I wanted to do was basically go away and design an app um, and an experience. Now, there are a lot of things that we require, Trevor, that people don't fully understand. A traditional MVNO uh, doesn't work for us. We need access into the network like you've never seen before. Right. Like we, we need to have real-time consumption data billing, right? So we don't, there's a lot of stuff that we need to do. And, and I got more no's from carriers um, than I got yeses. I got yep. thrown out of a couple of offices because basically the breakage, right, which is where the carriers make their money, is what we're getting rid of. So instead of you, you know, buying a 30 gig plan and using five gigabytes, I charge you for the five, Yeah. right? And, and that's been good. But then there's the global roaming piece, which was the other part. So the two parts that really annoyed me about carriers business model and ripping off consumers was that, the overage, right? Basically the breakage. And the other one was the data roaming. So you, you leave Australia or you leave America, the carrier charges you as if you're still in America, mm. right? So you're still paying as if you're using that network. So you're still buying 50 gigabytes, when you're not even in the country, right? And then they bolt on these $10 or $5 a day plans, right? And so now you're paying $70 extra a week on top of your Australian plan or your American plan. So I went, no, that's not on. Because we've built our platform in the public cloud, when you leave America and you go to the UK or Europe with the relationships that we'll be announcing shortly, um, your bill goes down. Right, because the data rate, America is one of the most expensive data rates, you know, per gigabyte rates yeah. in the world. It drops down to it. And by the way, you're no longer paying in America because your phone's not there and neither are you. If you so got you more no's than yeses in America, are you any chance of getting any yeses in Australia for that? Um, look, someone's going to give us a yes. I mean, someone's going to just say, yes, we want this because I think that the, I think the whole market changes. I think we dynamically change the whole market because yeah. everyone's going to start going, well, hang on. You know, and we're about to go into a recession. Um, America is obviously going to go into a recession. So people are now going to be, you know, they're paying for more gas. They're paying for more food. food. They're going to be looking for ways to save money. The last thing and I'd say I about MobileX then, given that plan is, and, and your thought process about where we're going is, the amount of subscriptions, the amount of cost per month that everyone has, something's got to give. And so if the thing that gives is the $40, $50 mobile plan and you know that you can 
not only potentially bring it down a lot, but also monitor and manage it on a daily, weekly basis, then you are taking yep. back control of your funds. That's your plan. That's it. And the fact that we've got an individual rate plan for everybody, mm. I think that that's the, that's the key because you can't just force feed everybody into the one plan, right? That, that's what frustrates me is it's like, well, it's kind of like when you join the army, right? You get two uniform sizes, it's either too big or too small. <laughs> you, you don't get the just right for you because they don't make it just for you, right? Okay, it doesn't fit you too bad. It's a bit smaller, it's too big. So that's how the carriers market their plans right now. And we wanted to make sure that we were different and so what we do is if we've got 2 million customers, I have 2 million different rate plans. And by the way, we've got machine learning that's constantly looking at your habits and your patterns and we can save you money. Um, the other thing is speed, right? If you talk to anybody about speed, two things you ask a customer about, what's a gigabyte? Yeah. I don't know. I just need a lot of them. I yeah. go, well, well, but what is it? I don't know. And so what about a megabit per second? What, what's that? I don't know, but I need the fastest, really? You know, Netflix, you can stream at 25 megabits per second or 30 megabits per second. Mm. You don't need 500 or 1,000 or 100. And so we have the ability to, and I can show you on that, we have the ability. So let's just say you set your price at what you want to pay, right? And we, so we come back and say, okay, Trevor, you're $3.50. And you go, that's fine, Peter. I don't want to go beyond 350. That's it. I want to be locked in at that. You hit the optimizer button. And inside the optimizer button, we now manage everything for you. So... We talk about 4K, right? The, 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 I actually can't even... I was going to say, on a mobile phone, you don't need 4K. You need 4K on a 65-inch no, TV. But your eye actually can't even take the 4K pixels. It's too small for them to even register, right? I don't care if you've got 20-20 vision. So we monitor the speed. We monitor the video uh, output, right? Whether it's 720, 1080, or, or, or 4K. So we can manage that. I mean, a 4K video stream takes about 7.8 gigabytes an hour, right? So it takes quite a lot of gigabytes. You drop that down and it gets really low. So I'll just show you just so you can actually have a quick mm -hmm. uh, view of this. Breaking so this is the app. Yeah. yeah, you can see that. So this is the app that you'll see right here, right? Yeah. So when I go through, it's now telling me, because I'm in the learning period, right? So I'm in the 10 month learning period that I've got uh, 9.79 gigabytes, right? So that's basically what it's, it's telling me I've got. I started with 10 mm -hmm. and it'll work its way down. So then I go down here and I look at the forecast, right? So if you have a look here, it's now gonna do a quick forecast um, on what I'm doing, I'll just put my glasses on here so I can actually see myself. <laughs> um, so you'll see there it's dropped down to 3.8 gigabytes, right? So what yeah. it's saying is, Peter, you're at 3.8 gigabytes, right? That's going to cost you $9.50, right, for 3.8 gigabytes. I can click here. So I can sit back and go, all right, great, proceed to month to month. Then it just highlights everything for me, right? So it's now got, I'm at 3.8. It's got the, the fees that are put in. It's got the taxes. And now I sit there and go talk and text. That's for unlimited. I go back and say, you know what? I don't need unlimited. Yeah. So I can click on here and I'll go to the dollar 49 or I might just want to do data and text only. Right. So I can confirm that, but let's just say that you say, you know what? 3.8 gigabytes is what it's predicting that I'm going to use for the month. Right. So my total um, price for data is $9.50 to give you an example. That's a $30 plan here in America. Wow. So I'm yeah. 950. That's 30. So I can, or I can go to customize data. Right. And what I can do in here is I can just go, I want 2.2. Uh, well, that's 22. I'll go back. Oh, I want two, um, 2.2, $5.50. There it is. Yeah. That's it. I've now set it, right? Done. I go to the month to month. It's now set 2.2. It's now adjusted everything. That's it. Confirm and pay. Yeah. I mean, that's how simple it is. So we're doing it. And then you can, you can go kind of go back. You can look at save with yearly. So you can jump over to yearly. So I'll give you the yearly price mm. um, on the, uh, on the app. And it's super easy. You can go through user trends. So the user trends will basically show me what I'm using real time. You're putting Remember, telco really data in the hands of the individual. Exactly. So you can go in here. So today I've used uh, six 
656 megabytes. That's it, mate. I mean, people will be, you'll be blown away by how little you actually use. And so that's my access reserve as it goes through. There's the optimizer button. I hit optimizer and now it's, you're optimized. So now it's optimizing for us uh, real time. So this is working now on Verizon. I mean, this is basically working on Verizon's network right now, but this use forecast, I've never, you will never see this anywhere else, right? Where you can change the video resolution. You can change. Now we'll do it for you automated. So if you don't want to go through all of that shit, we'll take care of it for you. But if you do, we can actually take care of it. So this is not being shown on video, right? You're not showing this video. No, I'm not. Okay, good. Because I want you to see it. But (laughs) but that's, that's basically, uh, that's basically what we're building. That's exciting. Yeah, really cool. The the question is, how does Peter Adderton sleep? How many hours sleep do you get a day? So I, I've not slept. I'll be honest with you. I took off on Sunday. I went to Denver. I went to Minneapolis. I went up to Phoenix, back to Minneapolis, back to Denver, back to, I, I, I don't sleep. So, um, okay. and, uh, you know, Ryan Walkinshaw constantly calls me old as if I have no energy. I'd outrun that guy seven times. And I also mountain bike two hours every day. So, well, congratulations on getting to 700,000. Congra- uh, good luck with the million. Uh, and I look forward to seeing more of Mobile X uh, both globally and hopefully here in Australia. And uh, eSIMs are soon right, and 5G's available. Just don't buy it. That's the, that's the takeouts from today, Peter. All right, buddy. Well, you buy our other plans because they're valuable. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Thanks, mate. Thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Happy to help. If I can, EFTM.com, the website to go to. G'day, Shavek. Hey, Trevor. Um, my question to you is um, I'm currently with Kogan Mobile. Yep. In Sydney, the reception's great and everything. The mm. speeds aren't as quick as the other um, network providers I've seen. Mm-hmm. Um, but recently I've been going regional New South Wales and even in like Queensland, the Gold Coast, the reception's pretty bad. Mm. Um, I was thinking of Boost Mobile or Aldi. Uh, which one do you reckon is probably better? Of the two, if you really want to battle it out, Aldi, um, Aldi isn't quite as good as Boost because Boost has what they call the full Telstra network. Um, mm. I, I'd challenge anyone to actually find the difference between Aldi and Boost in terms of coverage because they're both on the Telstra network, but it's undoubted that uh, the Boost coverage will be by a percentage better. Um you know, I think the boost deals are fantastic over 12 months, for, for example. Um, but what I wouldn't do is sign up for 12 months until you've tested it. But, mate, you're yeah. not going to have any dramas with boost. They're literally, it's literally like on Telstra, but cheaper. <laughs> That's really all they are. Um, and how about Optus? So, look, I think the problem you'll have with Optus is exactly the same as you're having with, with Kogan on the Vodafone network. There are some areas where they don't have the same speed. The other thing, the other thing is, it depends how desperate and, and quick this needs to happen, but... I would say it may well be by the end of the year, but I think probably more like September, October. Um, the Kogan coverage will be pretty much as good as Boost because Vodafone is getting Telstra's regional network for roaming. So you're actually going to get the Telstra coverage on Kogan later this year. <laughs> so, you know, if it's if it's urgent, mate, switch to Boost for a little while. But then once you, you, know, once you find out that Vodafone... Uh, domestic roaming or Telstra roaming is switched on, you could probably come back and get a better deal through Kogan Mobile. All right. Um, would any of the either of the network providers be getting 5G anytime soon? So Boost has 5G now, but only on their most expensive plan, the $70 a month one. So 
um, you know, is it really worth it? And Kogan, not yet, but I suspect again that they're going to get it very soon. I would only say to you, what do you need 5G for? Oh, just the speed, just uploading things to the internet. Yeah, right. Yeah, are you doing videos and stuff on your phone? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, the upload speeds will be beneficial there, um, but you'll probably find that Boost on its own without the 5G will be pretty good. I think if I had to pick, uh, Kogan will get 5G before Boost gets it across all its plans. All right. Gotcha. Thanks for your help today, Trevor. All right, bud. No worries. Enjoy. You too. Bye. Thanks for getting in touch. And, uh, yeah, if, I mean, it's it's a... It's a really important thing. Different carriers in different areas. Um, Shivek lives in, in Sydney. In fact, near the office, it seems. Um, uh, you know, you're going to get great coverage with all three telcos, which is why Vodafone does so well in the big cities. You know, they, their market share is quite high. Um, but still struggle with um, not, not being on a second-tier carrier. I put all my family on Kogan. Um, I've been on Boost heaps. Literally, the only reason I'm I'm on the Vodafone is for the roaming internationally because I travel a bit overseas. Anyway, always good options out there for you, folks. EFTM. You're listening to the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Well, it's been an interesting, um, I guess, few years for sport on television, sport in broadcast with rights here, rights there, 4K here, um, streaming there. It's phenomenal the way we access sport today. And, you know, I often think about how... how no one will ever really appreciate how it was back in the day when, and I think the story I often tell is when the Sydney test was on, if it wasn't sold out, it wasn't on television. And these days, everything, everything is on TV, from uh, hot dog eating contests right through to Formula One. And uh, to discuss where Foxtel's at with that and a few other things that's going on in their uh, their wheelhouse, Les Wigan, Chief Technology Operations and Product Innovation Officer at Foxtel Group, joins me on the line. G'day, Les. How are you, mate? Hey, Trevor, good to talk to you again, mate. Hope you're well. Yeah, really well. Solid long title you've got going on there. Which one do you prefer more, operations or product innovation? Oh, you know, um, probably product innovation and, and technology all kind of soup together. I mean, mm. the reality is these days it's all kind of one ecosystem, right, from customer sign-up to you getting that live stream to the box or to your app. So it's hard to kind of differentiate between the things these days. It's all one experience. And, look, I think the, the biggest change that's happened as a Foxtel customer this year was – um, the I'm going to say the removal of the 4K channels, but the addition of more 4K content. How, how do you explain that in an elevator pitch to people who, I guess, just went to the to the channel number for 4K and now need to go a different way? It's it's an upsell, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's it's really all about. Uh, we've made a really big investment in 4K, and uh, that's you know with both investment from us directly, but also with our partners, our outside broadcast partners, NEP, mm. who are you know key partner of ours. Amazing technology they have. I was up at Magic Round last year. I know you did it again this yeah, okay. year, but looking at the the trucks, you know, there's a, there's literally a 4K truck. I mean, it's just phenomenal. The the investment we, I guess, average viewers don't really understand that you know you're not just increasing the quality. You've got to have a new camera, new cable, new truck, new everything. Yep, new infrastructure, new communication links between the stadiums and and back to our hubs in Sydney and Melbourne, and then back through to kind of Foxtel and Fox Sports. So it's, it's a significant investment, but I guess, you know, we see Foxtel particularly, you know, with the launch of the IQ5 late last year as well, um, you know, IP and satellite and our IQ4s now you can get via IP and satellite. We wanted to kind of really double down on the 4K experience. Lots of cust- lots of our customer base, particularly the Foxtel customers have 4K TV. So as an example, last weekend, we had all five games of NRL that Fox Sports produces 
in 4K in four AFL games. So, you know, nine in total, every every kind of practice and every race of F1. And we're just looking to ramp that up over the next kind of few months. So we've got big ambitions and, you know, our customers seem to be really enjoying it. And if you watch a 4K game, it's kind of hard to go back, quite frankly. It, it, um, it started off uh, and, and kind of went up and down a little bit for me because Bathurst was the first big 4K mm. live broadcast. It was like a monumental thing. But since then we've kind of gone backwards. So when do we get to a point where we can expect 4K to be the norm as opposed to the kind of cherry on top? Look, I think it depends on the sport and, and the location of the sport because oh. you really do need all of your infrastructure. Uh, your OB partner needs to make a significant investment, which, you know, we, we kind of incur the cost, you know, share the cost on that. But mm. it really kind of depends on the sport and the venue and the connectivity because everything's literally four times. That's why it's called 4K, as you know, and... Um, you know, in, in some cases it can be up to eight times kind of the bandwidth required to kind of deliver it from an infrastructure perspective. So, you know, for us, uh, you know, our focus is on, you know, some of the larger sports and then we'll start working our way through some of the other sports, um, you know, um, uh, over the next kind of 12 to 18 months. But we definitely have an ambition to kind of bring you more and more sport in 4K and your point earlier around the channels, you know, we can now run up to four concurrent live 4K events Hence the way we've kind of done it on uh, you press kind of press the button when you're watching, um, say, 502 or 504, you know, Fox Fox League or Fox Footy. And if you want to watch it 4K, we'll take you straight to the 4K experience. Because is, is it my understanding that you, you've still got the capacity to satellite deliver one 4K channel, but more than one would have been a burden. And so therefore last weekend, AFL and NRL on at the same time. That's why you need to go, well, look, we've got to use IP. And so for the boxes that are capable, the IQ 4 and 5, You've got all the options. You've got to choose the sport. Um, but we just can't deliver multiple 4K streams because that's a huge amount of satellite bandwidth required. Yeah, it, it is. Um, to, to be fair, though, if you've got satellite, we can deliver you multiple 4K experiences. Okay. It's, it's just really more um, – it's the additional work that you need to do on the EPG to kind of make that happen. And it was quite mm -hmm. confusing for customers. All of a sudden, you would have eight <clears throat> channels as opposed to kind of four. So, And in a world of Netflix and KO, people are, people are used to scrolling through carousels. The best outcome yeah, exactly. is to use that sport button more. Exactly. So I think um, we kind of see it kind of converging and we thought it was quite a nice customer experience. You, you press the button to watch it in 4K and, and away you go rather than having to kind of remember it's a different channel and all those sort of things. So it was a bit of a UX experience as well as, um, you know, just trying to optimise the experience really. Is the global pattern 4K? Because obviously we've got spots. I'm a massive F1 nut, as you know, Sky Sports, mm. the amount of content they produce in 4K, the, the Formula One. It's phenomenal, but not everything's coming down uh, down the tube 4K. Is that a overseas broadcaster decision, or is that a you know audience scale decision? Who makes the call as to what events get 4K overseas? Yeah, yeah, good question. I think it largely is you know a conversation with the the, the host broadcaster and the and and the um the sporting body. So, as you know, we take the B Sky B coverage for Formula One. You know, we we think it's kind of the best coverage kind of out there, and I, I'm a big Formula One fan as well. Um, and they produce and they put the effort to kind of, you know, produce everything in 4K. I, I, I certainly know in the UK, EPL games and so forth is in 4K. Uh, I, I'm kind of not necessarily seeing the trend in the US, and I actually don't know the answer to that. Um, it's a strange thing, isn't it? We, we are so yeah. far ahead compared to the US in so many ways in terms of television broadcasting the whole kit. We, we kind of lose track of how, how advanced we are here. I think so. I think, you know, delivering 4K via IP on an IQ5 is pretty is pretty cool. Um, 
you know, I, I kind of get the consumer doesn't necessarily, you know, understand all, all the technology that goes into it. But, you know, it is really world leading and mm. we're now launching more and more apps. You know, we've launched, um, you know, Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime yeah. and, Play and a few and we've got a few more coming. And then you kind of get into the streaming world. I think KO, I know you're a big fan. I know um, when you first started using it, when we launched it, chatting to, you know, three or four years ago, that's quite unique as well. You know, we mm. had, I was saying to someone, we had 38 concurrent live events streaming out <laughs> the weekend of the um, of the Australian Grand Prix. You know, that's, it's quite it's quite a feat to do and to kind of do it all in 1080, you know, HD is um, something we're quite proud of. Is that next step though for KO has to be 4K though, surely, because yeah. the, competitive, the competitive set is just, clipping at the heels but uh you know people want quality and they may well be prepared to pay an extra couple of dollars for that i assume yeah look look it could be i mean there's obviously a discussion i'm at the moment the 4k is currently targeted at our kind of premium foxtel Mm. kind of you know customers i think there are a lot of considerations in the streaming world you know all of a sudden you are taking up four to eight times the bandwidth and people's kind of you know broadband consumption you know to have the right connectivity and i think people pe- after, i've often had the conversation with people they don't realize that it's it's four times the cost at your end as well you, yeah, that, you've got a pl- you've <laughs> got to have four times the bandwidth going out so yeah. a lot of people don't realize there's actually because i talk about this abc ivy is a good example you know people say it should mm. be high quality Who's giving the ABC the money to do that? You know, this is the this is the challenge, and I don't know, for a free free service like that, that's a real challenge. For a paid one, sure. someone's going to have to pay. Um, just uh, and this is completely without notice, and I'm happy for you to write down this question, or I'll email it to you. But it just reminded me last week I had a caller on the show, um, massive F1 nut, and he mm-hmm. had this interesting situation, and I got to tell you, I've had it as well, where I'm watching the the 4K uh, Formula One, and the sound of the cars. Is completely out of whack from the commentary. You can barely hear the commentary, but it's only Formula One, MotoGP, fine, football, fine. I wonder if that is uh, like a, a feature of the broadcast in terms of it's like a you know Dolby Atmos and it's just not coming through to a non-Dolby Atmos TV. Or have you had have you heard about that happening for 4K viewers of Formula One? I haven't, to be honest, Trev. Um, and you'd be watching it in 4K, so... <laughs> yeah, I, I'm watching it. I haven't picked it up. Let me... Um, if you... Next, this weekend, where are we? Uh, Barcelona. Just Barcelona. do me a favour this weekend, free practice or, or race, whatever. Just flick between the HD and the 4K and listen to the volume difference and, and see whether or not you notice anything because uh, my, my caller, Andy, would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> I'm very probably happy, more often it, watching mate. the KO experience than, than anywhere else just because of the portability and I can do it anywhere. Um, yeah, no, happy to do it. The other big thing that's on the radar for Foxtel is the, the cable network switch off. I don't know how you describe it, but we've been yeah. talking about this for four years, uh, I think was when I first found out about it. And it's, an, it's, it's, it's a must-happen thing because it's tens of millions of dollars a year for Foxtel to utilise the cable network, frankly, for no benefit given that satellite and, and IP exists. But for a percentage, and I, I'm starting to think it's not a, not a small percentage, it could be even 10% of customers, it's a real problem because they, they can't put a satellite up. Um, they, they, some of them don't have internet. And so uh, what's your feeling about how the group pushes through with that technology change, which for the group is, is, is critical, but for the end user is quite problematic in terms of the user experience? Yeah, I mean, the good news on that is uh, we've been planning for that for quite a while, and it was really part of the motivation to launch the IQ5 IP-only box. So we're actually right in the middle of, of migrating all of our 
customers who are sitting on cable uh, right at the moment. So lots of customers are getting notifications. That's we're why getting, I'm getting the emails. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And uh, we're effectively asking them to, you know, we will send them out a new, either a new IQ5 IP box. And we've also, the IQ4s, which traditionally were only available on satellite, have now been upgraded so they can do IP only. So I've got an IQ5. I've got three of them at home, all yep. IP off my broadband. You don't need any connection whatsoever. If you do have an aerial, you can kind of you can roll it in. Um, you can plug it in if you want to, so you can get those via um, via your aerial. But if you don't, you get you get the channels and the experience um, very much via um, uh, via. IP what about the free to air though? Because it's amazing to me, funny to me really, how many people when they either switch off Foxtel or find out about this, they're like, "But I don't have an antenna, and how do yep. I watch Channel Nine? I'm like, "It's free to air. Put an antenna up, people." But yeah. they've always relied on that box. You've really owned the 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 remote. You, you are the only remote people use for watching television, whether it's Channel Nine or you know Fox Eight yep. or Discovery, right? Yep. How how do we deal with the free to air viewer who loves their Foxtel? Is is going to get an IQ four or five, um, but needs their free to air because they don't have an antenna? Yeah, no, it's a good question. Um, we're in discussions with all of the free-to-airs at the moment, and a couple have come on board already to be able to ingest and manage that for an IP linear right. channel. Um, you know, I, I probably won't say more than that, but we're certainly something that we're very conscious about, yeah. and uh, we are working with them um, and partnering with them to kind of, you know, give the customer a good experience because at the end of the day, that's all they care about, right? Yeah, mate, that's that's the right answer. That's a great great thing to know. And listen, if, the, if a network isn't on that path, they're mad. Um, and we'll talk offline about we, <laughs> the network I'm involved in because I want to make sure they're involved. Um, yeah, no, sure. It's it's a it's a critical thing. It's it's just amazing when you hear from these uh, end users who have done a thing with their Foxtel for years, just keep paying the bill, but now it's a complete you know turn it on the head. I can I can look back at I think it was I think the first name of it was Foxtel Go. It might have been something else, but you know when Foxtel first did tablets, you know had an app and streaming and yep. things like going back thirty minutes. I felt like back then you were way ahead of the pack in terms of innovation. Do you feel like you're catching up now? Because I think the world overtook you for a bit and streaming, you know, overtook everything we did. Do you feel like now with IQ5 and where you're going, you're back at the head of the the innovation pack? I I think so. I think we're certainly, you know, competing. Uh, I think what we're doing with Foxtel and then subsequently with KO and Binge is quite well leading. I think we're very, you know, we're very well leading. I think the tech and innovation that sits under that is kind of first class. And we're now kind of using that technology to upgrade and, and, and kind of, you know, improve the Foxtel experience as well. And we see, you know, from a technology and operations and innovation perspective, you know, we support Foxtel, we support KO, Binge, um, et cetera. So, we're really just leveraging a lot of the innovation we're doing across the board. So I guess to answer your question, yeah, I do think so. And I think, you know, we're, we're leading in some elements and punching above our weight. Um, and, you know, but there's always, you know, more work to do. And and um, we certainly want to make Foxtel kind of, you know, the home of, you know, your experience. You've got the free to airs. We're adding more apps and so forth. So that's definitely a path we're going down. Well, I mean, it's such a crazy time. I mean, I'll be honest, when you look at your CV and you look at the the time you've spent in this space, it's been the most exciting time for innovation in television, let alone all the little bits of it that stream off that, like streaming and, and just general broadcast. You know, it's it's an amazing thing to look back on and you must what 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 just lastly, what's your favorite innovation that you've witnessed 
at Foxtel, leaving aside IQ5, let's not, let's not make it an ad, but, you know, as, a, as an individual looking at it and going, that was so cool that we were able to do that. Probably two things. I think when I was at Fox Sports, uh, when we worked with NEP to kind of move the whole industry to kind of hub-based remote kind of sports production, that was really world-leading where we were being able to kind of broadcast and manage a game, in, an AFL game in Perth and to do it from a hub in Sydney or in Melbourne was pretty phenomenal. Like the, the tech and the collaboration we needed across the industry to make that happen and also with the TV production teams was something I'm very proud of. Not mm. that the customer would see that, but that was something I'm very proud of. And then you know, in all honesty, you know, the being being kind of one of the first people to be involved and, you know, being able to have the privilege to work on something like KO, um, which I think was quite groundbreaking for the time, was um, something we're really proud of. So, you know, that'd be two things, I'd say. Oh, I was going to say, if you don't mention KO, I don't know what I've missed in your career because, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I honestly think that we'll, we'll look back on KO as being a... Uh, you know, a game changer for the entire sports industry. Um, it's already spawned other. It wasn't the first. You know, Optus Sports was around, no, but no, that's but right. that's it, it right. certainly spawned uh, a growth in that space uh, for the better or worse for Foxtel overall. But such an amazing platform, and to this day, I believe that the Ko app on Apple TV. I call that app specifically because of its advanced features like four streams and stuff, mm. is the most advanced streaming uh, application available that I'm aware of anywhere. And I think that that team should continue to be proud of that. It's a, it's a phenomenal thing what you can do on that little Apple TV box with live sport. Well, we know you give it a good nudge. So, um, and so uh, we appreciate it. And, you know, I think you've always given us some good feedback over the years as well. So, you know, it's always a cycle of continual improvement. So um, something we're always kind of focused and pretty um, pretty keen to kind of keep progressing. Well, best of luck with the uh, the continued growth of 4K on Foxtel through the IQ 4 and 5. Best of luck with the migration from cable, um, which I'm, I've got no doubt will cause headaches here and there. But uh, it'll be for the betterment of, of the content in the long run, I guess, Julius. So, uh, mate, good luck. And I look forward to talking when the next big innovation occurs. Appreciate your time, Trevor. EFTN. You're listening to the EFTN Podcast. EFTN. Trevor Long taking your calls. Damien's on the line. G'day, mate. How are you doing? Good, mate. Yourself? Yeah, real good. What's up? Mate, just thought I'd give you the heads up. I f- took your advice. I had to go buy a new printer last week. Yep. Um, and I ended up going to buy the EcoTank. From, Epson? From Epson. Yeah, the Epson BT20, ET2850. Right. So, yeah. How much did it cost you, do you remember? Well, I got a discount. You always get discounts. Yes. You and so, uh, moderator Matt Arnold are the kings of discounts in my world. If I ever need to buy something, I'm never paying full retail. I'm going straight to the man cave because you blokes have always got the way to get a discount. Yeah, well, rec retail was 500 and I got it for 300 That's pretty good, though. Um, yeah. But that, that's the point, right? It's, it's expensive up front. How did you like quantify that in your mind? Did you do some calculations on ongoing savings or did you just believe me? <laughs> no, well, well, I had a, I had an old Epson. I had the old Epson workforce, um, which used normal ink. Um, but the problem was with those is I noticed every time I wouldn't use it for a while, it would become streaky. Yeah. And I had to keep doing a print alignment and clean the print heads all the time. And it was just getting annoying because you're just wasting ink that way. Mm. Um, and I was, look, I was dubious of going an Epson again uh, for that reason, but You've talked them up so much that I actually trusted your judgment. Oh, no. And, and when I went to the Minister for Finance and explained what, I, what we're getting, and she goes, are you sure? I said, yes, and explained what price we're getting. But she goes, it's a no-brainer then. Yeah, right. 
I mean, I will say uh, the only caveat is um, if you don't use any printer for an extended period of time, the printhead will always get that kind of dry. It shouldn't be outrageous though. Like it shouldn't be a super yeah, regular it, thing. But It was every week. I was only using it once a week and the following week it would just – Oh, no. If you're using it every week, it would be fine. Uh, I'd, I'd be amazed if you had an issue. But we've we've gone like a month without using it. And then it's like, oh, it's going to need a clean and stuff like that. Yeah. But, but I found the other day uh, that this happens to all of them, right? So I've got a Canon here at the office, a yep. tank-style one. And I was doing – what was I doing? Oh, I was printing out how to vote cards last week for a, um, a video. And mm. the Labor one came out like yellow. And I thought, oh, people are going to think it's a Palmer one. So I did the, you know, the print head clean. And it just did one page. Uh, mm. And – and it wasn't like it was a huge amount of ink, though. That was that's why I'm surprised we, when you say you know kind of burning through ink. It, it really wasn't a lot of ink just to do a print head clean. And hey, presto, it was it was fixed straight after. So, you know, I yeah. think, you know, I think it's an interesting one. You should nerd out and read the manual. I wonder what it says about regular maintenance and the how often you should be doing those things because it's kind of like you know with cars and cars yes. are really the only thing. That, there's a sticker on the window that reminds us when to get it serviced right. But I think often about how, like our Dyson vacuums or air purifiers, if they're not smart and they don't give you an alert that says, you know, change my filter or whatever, who's who's doing that? Yeah, or lawnmowers. Yes. Anything with a motor, really, you know, they say you should service. That's a good point. Yeah. So, well, you're, you're in charge of uh, <laughs> reporting back how often you meant to do any form of print head servicing on Epson EcoTank uh, printers, okay? The only, the only thing is, I must admit, is the, the app to set it up didn't really work as well as probably it should because it said, give 10 minutes, but it didn't tell me to push a button. And I sat there for 10 minutes going, this hasn't done anything. And then I pushed the print button and that 10 minutes started with Did filling up the, the – um, the, the cut, the, the thing. So, was, was your print, uh, was previous printer AirPlay compatible? Like AirPlay? Yes, yeah, yes. Right. And that was the other reason why I bought that one as well, because it was AirPlay compatible. I wouldn't buy a printer today if it didn't have AirPlay. That's just madness. It's such a great yeah, thing to be able to print from your phone. Yeah, the model down didn't have that. Right. Um, and that, that's probably the other reason I did look for AirPlay as, as a feature, um, because I don't own, apart from the work laptop, which I only use for work stuff, I don't own a computer anymore. Oh, right. I haven't, okay. had, I haven't had a computer personal um, computer or laptop for uh, 10 years. Everything's on my phone. Right. Very good. Well, mate, good luck with it. Enjoy. No, cheers, mate. Thanks for reporting in, buddy. Cheers, mate. Have a good day. See you, mate. Bye. Thanks very much. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's always good to hear what you've bought and what your experience is because that helps other people. That's why I keep – that's why I was had glad to hear from Perea earlier. It's like, let me know what happens. Um, it's great to hear that circle of, uh, of reporting so we know – you know exactly how things are going and uh, and what happened. Uh, get in touch anytime you know the website, eftm.com. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM. Trevor Long taking your calls. If you've got a tech question, go to the website, eftm.com. G'day, Paree. Uh, hi, Trev. How are you? Yeah, really good. What can I do for you? Well, I've just got a good news story. Um, I oh, I love those. I spoke to you a couple of months ago. Um, my son had an Asus 53 where the after two years, well, mm. less than two years, the battery started to deplete. Oh, he was and, uh, he was a school student or uni student, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, school mm-hmm. student. Yeah, now he started uni. So yep. um, I rang Acer and I said, look, you know, this isn't good enough. Um, you know, I know it's out of warranty, but a battery should last longer than, you know. Did you use the words Australian, Australian consumer law with me? Or? I 
actually didn't have to do that. That oh. was that was the ace up my sleeve. I was going nice. to use that, nice. but I just persevered and persevered and told him it wasn't fit for purpose. Right. And um, so this all started back in February. And um, but he was at uni, so I couldn't take the. They needed the computer for fourteen days. Of course. So eventually, um, now that he's on uni break, we took it off to Acer, and um, they replaced the battery. Beautiful. It works lovely. So far, so good. My only complaint with Acer though was you have to talk to a call centre and then they give you all this information which really wasn't relevant. Yeah, right. Um, Yeah, I mean, they told me I had to back it up because they were going to reformat it. I mean, I was going to back it up anyway, you know, took off any sensitive information. I mean, I'll do that as a matter of course. Um, And then they told me I had to pack it in a box and I'm thinking, well, I'm just going to drop it off, Um, just drop it off to to Homebush. Mm. Um, And so, of course, I got to Homebush. They took the box, opened the box, took out the packaging, took out the computer and handed it all the packaging. Oh, you went to all the trouble of packing it up and you didn't need to. <laughs> That's right. I had to go and find a box and find bubble wrap anyway. That, that was okay. Um, and a week later, the, um, the, mach- the machine was back. They had run the test for a few days as well. Um, so... New battery in there didn't cost me a cent. So wow. really good news story. That's a good. I mean, it's a pain so, to have to be without it for a little while, but I guess it's just like say yeah. with the car, right? If the car was broken down, you're going to be without it unless you can get a loaner. Um, yeah, so that's right. Like, I'm glad, even like, though you had to wait, I'm glad that you um, you got the right outcome. That's a big result. Yes, but I did have to keep pounding them, and, and then I eventually, before I took it there, I wanted something in writing that told me it was not going to be. Oh, it wasn't and you got cost that? Me anything. I did eventually get that. Yes, they said so long as it wasn't my fault, like I hadn't spilled, you know, a coffee down the keyboard or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I eventually did get that in writing before I before I took it there. So that took a while, but perseverance paid off. Well um, done. So I'm glad you persevered. I'm glad you got the result you deserved, and uh, that's good yeah. good result for your for your son's uh, laptop for the, for the next yes, little while anyway. Yeah, because yeah, it was a bit hard going to university and having to find it, having to go to the library and charge it in between breaks. Yes, <laughs> so I can imagine. Yes. The next lecture. So, All yes, right. Well, let's great. let's see how it goes after another semester of hard work. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. So, yeah, oh, I'm good glad news to hear story. it. Thank you so much for sharing, Pariah. Okay. Thanks, Drew. Good Thank on you. you. Thank you. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. Um, you know how often I say that to people, you know, push hard, uh, you deserve it to be fixed and don't worry about warranty. And there we go. Paris got the result and, uh, and happy days. Anyway, um, if you've got a problem and you need advice on how to get it fixed, then we'll do our best to help you out here on the EFTM podcast. thank you for listening a great show today appreciate your support and for listening Uh, we've got star wars coming up this week on the best movies you've never seen you've probably all seen it uh i watched it once on a plane (sighs) i'm doing it under duress it's 45 years since the original so some form of anniversary steven's used that as an opportunity so if you haven't already subscribed hit up the best movies you've never seen thanks to fetch and high sense um yeah Star Wars coming up this week. Very interesting. Anyway, apart from that, the Two Blokes Talking Tech will cover all the tech news of the week and uh, the Tech Guide podcast as well 
in the EFTM in the uh, Two Blokes Talking Tech feed. But if you're just here on the EFTM feed, thank you for your company. Lovely to be with you every week, and hopefully you get in touch with any tech question you've got, and you have uh, also joined the Man Cave on Facebook. Just search the EFTM Man Cave. That's all you got to do right there on Facebook. Talk to you next week. EFTM. This is the EFTM Podcast. EFTM Podcast. <laughs>